0: I might give away the plot or the ending in this review, so just be warned. The film is Judas and the Black Messiah, which came out in 2021 and was directed by Shaka King. You're looking at 18 months for the stolen car, five years for impersonating a federal officer, or you can go home. The Black Panthers. Forming a rainbow coalition of oppressed brothers and sisters of every color. Their aim is to sow hatred and inspire terror. I will learn all that I can. can. These ain't no terrorists. You can murder a liberator, but you can't murder liberation. You can murder a revolutionary, but you can't murder revolution. And you can murder a freedom fighter, but you can't murder freedom. It stars Daniel Kaluuya, Lakeith Stanfield, Jesse Plemons, Dominique Fishback, Ashton Sanders, Algie Smith, Daryl Britt Gibson, and Lil Ray Howery. The genre would be historical drama slash political thriller. Lakeith Stanfield and Daniel Kaluuya might be the two most versatile, if not the two best actors under 35 right now. Just over the past four years, they have given a variety of fantastic performances in several great films in a variety of genres. Sorry to Bother You, Queen and Slim, Widows, former episode Widows, check it out. Get Out, Uncut Gems, The Photograph, Knives Out. I have not even seen the TV show Atlanta, where here Stanfield also kills it. But these guys are just trading so much heat right now. Who knows, maybe we could look back on this 30 plus years from now, like we remember the 1970s with De Niro, Pacino, and Hoffman. Now, I might be sounding a bit hyperbolic, but sorry, this film just broke me and their two performances are at the core of what made it so effective. And clearly, judging by the title, a hyperbolic reaction was kind of the intention. Based upon true events in and around areas of Chicago that I know too well, this film treads seemingly familiar territory that we've seen in other films, including great ones like Malcolm X. An underground war is being waged by the FBI to take down black activists in the 1960s. This story centering around an FBI informant named Bill O'Neill played by Stanfield, infiltrating the Chicago chapter of the Black Panther Party to take down their local chairman, Fred Hampton, played by Kaluuya. We've also seen this kind of story of a conflicted informant before, but it's told with such passion and clarity by writer-director Shaka King that it feels fresh. I would say that one aspect which sets it apart from so many other similar stories is that we actually spend more screen time with and get to know much more about the personal life of the target of this operation. That would be Fred Hampton. Then we do about O'Neill, who ends up heading security for this local chapter. Kaluuya plays Hampton with a ton of fire and warmth. It's a tricky performance because he has to demonstrate the type of charisma it took to build a local coalition like Hampton did, but in several effective scenes with his girlfriend-slash-wife, well, eventual wife, Deborah, also nicely played by Dominic Fishback, We also see how scared he is, as she keeps reminding him that he's as much of a poet as a fighter. You think you're going to be a bad mother? It was a question. Why you got to ask yourself that? I don't, I don't know. Maybe the fact that I'm bringing a child into a war zone. These aren't considerations you have to make. You get to go out there, talk about dying a revolutionary death and how... Your, your body belonged to the revolution because you don't have another person growing inside your body. So you regret it? What? I have my baby. Do you? And for all the personal time we spend with Hampton, we never actually go home with O'Neal after a rough day of undercover work to see the toll that this is taking on him. Honestly, for much of the film, it's quite easy to see him as a Judas, as stated in the title. Stanfield is often playing this character very close to the vest. Is he now a true believer in the movement, in the Black Panther movement, or is he just playing the part so well to keep seeing the spoils of his hard work? Mostly, we see this play out during a series of scenes where he meets with his FBI handler, deftly played by Jesse Plemons. They meet at fancy restaurants exchanging information. Stanfield truly nails these scenes with glances and body language which show a man trapped under several layers of deception. And yet he never takes it to that movie trope moment of just declaring that he wants out of the investigation, that it's too much for him. He never does that, as we have seen in so many other prior movies about undercover agents. And why? Because he never has to. The truth is a lot more complicated for him than just wanting out or not. And we see all this on Stanfield's face. Here. C4 Yeah, we got enough there. We could blow up City Hall. Some more shit. What's wrong with you? Calm down, come What you mean, what's wrong with me, man? Are y'all fucking crazy. We not going to win this war. So we got to do something big and we got to do it now. You got your mom? man complete satisfaction ain't that what the fuck you told me kill them all complete satisfaction i didn't mean like that oh, No, I, mean I, like I call that. you comrade because we at war you don't want to game me the game man no jimmy palmer all right you remember little bobby huh franco diggs thomas lewis bunchy carter jake winters Are you looking to do is add more names to that list And it all leads to a pretty intense and gut-wrenching final half hour as we see all of the walls closing in on these individuals. Director Shaka King wrings all the tension he can out of these scenes without straying from the personalities of everyone involved, so it never feels like manufactured suspense. The actual moment when this betrayal reaches its logical conclusion is mostly spent close up on the face of someone else in another room, and it's a genuine gut punch. And that brings us to the categories. The first category would be Best Needle Drop. This is the best song cue or piece of score used throughout the runtime of the film. Though this film, which takes place in the late 60s, is filled with some very good period music throughout, far be it from me to disagree with the Academy. There's a song which plays at the end of the movie, which won the Oscar last year for Best Original Song. It's called Fight For You, and it's from young R&B singer Gabriela Sarmiento Wilson known professionally as Her, H-E-R, Having Everything Revealed. And she started out just about five years ago and released her first album, Back of My Mind, in 2021. Her hails from California, and at the age of 24 achieved the rare feat of winning both her Oscar for this song and winning the Grammy for Best Song for a different one, called I Can't Breathe, all within the same year. So clearly she's a talent to watch. And she has a nice sound. Most of her songs tend to be ballads, though I would not call her song for Judas a ballad. It's more mid-tempo and has a nice retro groove playing throughout with horns and light percussion. For an emotional tribute to a slain civil rights leader, and that would be Fred Hampton in this case, it's quite effective, but it also has a hopeful sound. And that brings us to the next category, which would be wasted talent. This is the most underutilized talent involved with the film. Now, a small quibble here, but Kaluuya and Stanfield are clearly the co-leads for this film. The title even says as much, as they are basically playing, each of them are playing the lead characters for this story. Then why were they both nominated for Best Supporting Actor last year? Clearly, this was the decision of Warner Brothers, the studio behind this film. And we have seen this kind of thing before a studio will often push an actor for a category that they have a better chance of competing in. And I would gather that you could say that this strategy actually worked, as Daniel Kaluuya did deservedly win the Oscar last year for Best Supporting Actor. I mean, hey, an Oscar is still an Oscar, right? Thank you so much for everything you poured into this. Everything you poured into this. It's so hard to make a film and make a film about a man like this. And, and they made it possible. They made it happen. I share this honor with the gift that is Lakeith Stanfield. But for me, in a perfect world, I would have rather seen both Kaluuya win Best Actor, and from a strategic standpoint, Stanfield would have had a much better chance of winning Best Supporting Actor as a result, if the studio did not have them competing in the same category. They could have both been winners, as they both gave great performances. So yes, this is a nitpick, as this is more of a case of wasted recognition than wasted talent. And that brings me to the next category, which would be the trailer moment. This is the or moment that best describes this movie. Now, this was a very tough choice among several sequences where we watch Fred Hampton make rousing speeches. That's what he did. But the one that gets me the most is about two-thirds of the way through the movie, after Fred has recently been released from prison. He had been incarcerated for several months for stealing $71 worth of ice cream bars. Yeah, that was about all the local police could get on him as this incident was actually related to Hampton's efforts with the Rainbow Coalition to provide food to various poor neighborhoods around Chicago and yes, including ice cream. The speech is what I would call the Chairman Fred speech, as they have signs up in the auditorium stating, Welcome home, Chairman Fred. And the difference between this speech and previous ones in the movie is quite stark. The crowd is much larger, and the environment is much more fiery, and for good reason. Over the past several months, Hampton has been incarcerated for flimsy reasons, and while he was in jail, a Black Panther headquarters was blown up by local law enforcement ending a nasty standoff. Andy also just found out that one of his best friends in the Black Panther Party just died under mysterious circumstances after being moved from one hospital to another. That friend was recovering from injuries from the standoff. So by this point, Hampton is justifiably angry, and he's urging for revolution. And ironically, this very effective speech is being delivered with the knowledge from the audience that he doesn't know that the walls are starting to close in on him. Stanfield's O'Neill has sadly brokered a deal with the FBI that could possibly result in Hampton being, quote, neutralized by the FBI. And we also can now see that FBI personnel have now infiltrated this very gathering where he's speaking, including the FBI lead investigator, played by Jesse Plemons, who is just smugly standing there pretending to be part of the fired-up crowd, wearing a hat, smiling to Stanfield's O'Neill, who spots him across the room. Also during the speech, we also see close-ups of Deborah, now several months pregnant, cheering her husband on, but also looking increasingly terrified as she realizes that with this speech, because it's a very fiery speech, he is way past being considered a poet. The speech itself is enough to make this a memorable scene, but also seeing all of the key players in this story reacting to it takes it to the next level. And of course, it goes without saying that Kaluuya really brings the heat in this scene. It's not a question of violence or non-violence, it's a question of resistance to fascism or non-existence within fascism. You can murder a liberator, but you can't murder liberation. You can murder a revolutionary, but you can't murder revolution. And you can murder a freedom fighter, but you can't murder freedom. And that brings me to the final category that would be mvp the person or people who are most responsible for the success of this film this is such a confidently made film and apparently it's only the second feature from shaka king who had been mostly directing tv over the past eight years he managed to direct a searing historical drama which also works very well as a tense undercover thriller along the lines of deep cover the departed or donnie brosco this is a genre i really enjoy And at a tight 126 minutes, the narrative of this thing just moves. moves very well, while never giving short shrift to historical events, nor the key players involved. And King achieves a nice balance of building up the stories of both Hampton and O'Neill concurrently, in a way that I have not often seen in undercover thrillers like this. We are meant to empathize with both of these guys, even though only one of them is the actual Judas of this story, as the title tells us. For directing what I would consider one of the best historical dramas of recent years, Shaka King is your clear cut MVP. Well, he was burned down. I saw, I saw. The whole neighborhood came out. Pushers, grannies, crams, everybody. Anyway, there's people. His power. Right on. My rating for Judas and the Black Messiah would be five stars out of five. Even though it was technically released in 2021, Judas and the Black Messiah was eligible for awards consideration for the year 2020 because of COVID. Everything was being delayed. So as it stands right now, I would actually consider it to be the best film of 2020 and 2021, though I still have some 2021 films to catch up on. I look forward to seeing what King does next, and I'm pretty much all in with Stanfield and Kaluuya at this point. If you're looking to watch Judas and the Black Messiah, it is currently streaming on HBO Max. And that ends another treacherous review. Please like, subscribe, and share the Living for the Cinema podcast, and follow and like us on Facebook, Instagram, and Letterboxd. And join us next time for another review from Living for the Cinema.